Eric. When you started out this year, were you even thinking about trolls? (laughs) Uh, Personally, (laughs) uh, I can't say I was. (laughs) Eric Schwartzel covers Hollywood. And when we say trolls, we mean those trolls. Of all the movies on the release calendar this year to be as seismic for the industry as this one, I don't think we would have predicted Trolls World Tour to have been the one that, like, the Harvard Business School is going to be writing case studies about. When movie theaters shut down at the start of the pandemic, it created a huge dilemma for movie studios. Should they release upcoming films? And the decision one studio made kicked off a battle with movie theaters, one that could have big implications for the entire industry. Today on the show, how a movie based on a 60s toy led to a public clash between theaters and movie studios. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Tuesday, May 5th. For the uninitiated, Trolls movies are Universal Pictures' take on an old classic. We all know Trolls dolls from growing up. DreamWorks Animation decided they were going to make a Trolls movie and introduce those neon hair-colored little things to a new generation. And so in 2016, the Trolls movie comes out. Oh, Oh, snap. DreamWorks. And it does rather well. And in April, Universal had a sequel coming. Let's go save the world! Called Trolls World Tour. Up in your face. The country trolls look friendly. Get them! But after the theaters closed in mid-March, studios began shuffling the release dates of their big movies. They started saying, okay, if we have a big budget superhero movie or a movie that everyone's been looking forward to, let's postpone it to the fall or winter or even into next year when we know the theaters will be reopened. But for Trolls World Tour, the marketing campaign had already started. The billboards were up, the TV commercials were running. Eric says once the marketing has begun, studios hate to delay a new release. And that's because marketing a movie around the country costs tens of millions of dollars. And if a studio delays a release, the studio not only loses the money it spent on marketing, it has to spend it all over again. So they decided that instead of postponing the release, they're going to make it available on digital platforms like Apple and Amazon for $20. For $20, you could rent Trolls World Tour for a 48-hour window and watch it to your heart's content. One group was watching this decision with great interest, the movie theaters. And that's because usually the deal between movie theaters and studios is they split the box office sales 50-50. But with digital releases, theaters make nothing, while the studios... They make 80% of that $20 rental fee. Only 20% stays with the platform that's hosting it. And so they need to sell fewer rentals to make more money than they do at the theatrical box office. And this is something that has been really combustible between the theaters and the studios for many years. I mean, this has become something of an existential threat 
to theaters. Because think about it. Why do we go to the movies? One reason we go is because oftentimes it's the only way you can see the movie you're going to see, right? There's no other way to catch a new Fast and Furious or Star Wars movie than to go to the theater. And any breach on that exclusivity has become a real threat to theaters who think, look, this is a slippery slope. So the theaters are watching this release with great interest. How did it go? It does really well. It's the biggest digital release of all time at this point. And Universal has seen about $100 million generated in rental fees, which means about 5 million people have rented it. I mean, a movie that is going to occupy children for a while at this moment in time is going to be a godsend to some parents. I actually heard from one reader who has rented it four times for his daughters. That's $80 in rental fees. If that doesn't speak to a desperation in the marketplace, I don't know what does. To put it in perspective, in just three weeks, Universal has made the same amount off this digital release as it did from the U.S. box office release of the original Trolls. For the movie theaters, this seemed bad. But it was about to get a lot worse. Because once Universal saw the success of Trolls World Tour, the studio dropped the entertainment equivalent of a nuclear bomb. They said that even after theaters reopen, they plan to continue to experiment with these kinds of distribution models, which means that the exclusive theatrical release, the kind of release that we've seen for decades, where a studio sends a movie to movie theaters and it plays there exclusively for more than two months, that even after theaters reopen, Universal wants to experiment with that. If you were in the head of a movie theater owner, what would your reaction be? That doesn't include, like, curse words? Yes, right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because I think that that's what went through a lot of theater owners' heads, is this is a bit of a nightmare scenario. Theater owners feel like the studios are taking advantage of a crisis, and they are coming at them at a time when there are much larger issues facing the theaters, including whether or not some of them survive. And so to see uh, studios say, we are going to be exploring these options even after you reopen, felt like salt in the wound. Coming up, how the movie theaters responded and if they used curse words. Welcome back. Tension between Universal and the movie theaters has existed for a long time because Universal keeps pushing for digital releases. Universal has always been the most aggressive in saying the way that we distribute movies is anachronistic and we need to meet consumers where they are. They'll tell you, look, the average American goes to the movies about four times a year. Why should we seed the remaining 48 weekends to Netflix? Why aren't we giving them options produced by Universal and offered by Universal those other weekends that they don't feel like going out to the theater? And so Universal and the head of NBC Universal, Jeff Schell, they've always been the most aggressive about trying to experiment with this. The only thing is that the theaters have made it pretty impossible up until this point. And then with the theaters closed, 
Universal had a chance to experiment as they've wanted to for a very long time. Universal says this is only an experiment, at least for now. But for movie theaters, this experiment comes at a bad time. Streaming has eroded their margins, and the pandemic has emptied their cinemas. It's been hard for one of the nation's biggest movie theater chains in particular. AMC has had to furlough all of its employees, including its CEO. It's had to raise more money, and analysts expect it will have to permanently close some theaters before the pandemic ends. And on top of that, You've seen studios gain more and more leverage over those theaters because the movies have gotten bigger and bigger. If you think about this, the studios are really focused on a handful of major titles that make up a majority of the box office every year. This is your Avengers, your Wonder Woman, your Star Wars. And when those titles come out, the studios have incredible leverage. The theaters can't afford not to show those films. And so the studios can demand all kinds of terms that make sure that they get more of the box office than they might otherwise. So when Universal announced it would be experimenting with further digital releases, it put even more strain on this already very strained relationship. And AMC flipped out. AMC responds. They come out with a letter. What does the letter say? Oh my gosh, talk about, I mean, not having curse words. I mean, it has like, it was like open letter, open warfare. AMC said that henceforth, we will not be booking universal movies in any of our theaters, whether it's in the United States or in Europe or in Saudi Arabia or anywhere else that they operate. And AMC really accuses Universal of acting in bad faith and coming after them at a time when they should be joining forces and figuring out how do we get Americans back to the theater. Universal says it isn't going to stop releasing movies in theaters. It's just going to also release them digitally. And so AMC's response to ban Universal movies from its theaters might seem like an overreaction. But this strategy has worked for AMC in the past. Anytime over the past several years when studios have flirted with changing the distribution model, the theaters have said, no way, not going to happen, buddy, not on our watch. And it's worked. They have been able to really maintain this exclusivity window by saying, if you try to encroach on this, we're not going to show your movies. For now, AMC and Universal are stuck in this battle. But Eric notes that if it goes on for too long, the standoff could hurt profits for both parties. Because whether they like it or not, a lot of their business is linked. I don't think either side is really prepared for a world where Universal doesn't show any of its movies in the world's largest movie theater chain. And I don't think that theater chain can afford to turn away a studio that accounts for 17 to 19% of the annual box office. So from where we're sitting now, at home, who comes out on top of the struggle between the theaters and the studios? The jury's still out on who comes out on top because the studios, I think, are certainly embracing the opportunity to experiment as they've been doing. And they're able to make some money at a time when no box office dollars are flowing in. But many people have pointed out that this could come back to haunt them because it could change consumer habits in ways we haven't anticipated yet, right? Does it 
encourage consumers to stay home from the theater, even on the big movies? Does it discourage consumers from buying toys or buying DVDs because a movie watched at home doesn't feel like as big an event as a big, you know, theatrical release? Do you think that when they write the history books of the movie industry, that there will be a chapter on trolls? Yeah, I think so. And you could call it trolling. (laughs) Why does this moment feel so significant that it would be a chapter called trolling? I think it feels so significant because it is Hollywood's version of what we've seen from Silicon Valley to manufacturing plants of business models being rewritten because of the pandemic in ways that might continue after the pandemic. And it's unique in Hollywood because it's speaking to how consumers are living through this moment. I mean, I think when the books about the pandemic are written, we're going to talk about what happened when people were shut inside for six, eight, 12 weeks. And one of the things we're seeing is that they're consuming a lot of entertainment And there's this looming question about what is going to change permanently when it comes to consumers and their expectations. And the studios are trying to meet that expectation. It just so happens that it's something they've been wanting to do for a very long time. And this is their chance. This episode has been updated. In an earlier version, we called Trolls a 90s toy. A listener remembered Trolls from the 60s. He's right. Troll dolls first became a hit in the 60s. Thanks, John, for your sharp ears. That's all for today, Tuesday, May 5th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like the show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We come out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.